2: You just can't coach the same way that we were all coached, I think, when we were younger, which was my way or the highway, and you're going to yell at them, and you almost try to coach kids out of fear, and that's never good. That's not my tactic. You know, I get intense, and I get after my kids, and I hold them accountable, but I've done the legwork with the relationship first so they know that I'm trying to make them be the best they can
3: be. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reformed Sports Project Podcast. Today I have Krista Gerlich, head women's basketball coach at Texas Tech University. A national champion and Texas Tech legend during her time as a student athlete, Coach Gerlich returned to her alma mater in 2020, guiding the Lady Raiders to the highest conference finish under a first-year head coach in the Big 12 era. Coach Gerlich and I talk about the positives and negatives in coaching your kid's team, aligning coaches and parents on the same side, and her path from student athlete to coach. Once again, freaking fired up. I got another awesome guest. She is coming to us from one of my favorite states in the country. In fact, I'm on vacation right now. My brother-in-law is from Austin, so down in Texas. So we're not in Austin here, but we have the head women's basketball coach, the Lady Raiders at Texas Tech University, Krista Gerlich. Coach Gerlich, thank you so much for hopping on.
2: Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. And I'm so glad that you, uh, cleared up that we are not in Austin. We are in Lubbock, Texas. That is where we are. <laughs> yeah. And I
3: exa- exactly. My brother in law is from Austin. So I want to make sure I, I, there was not that, that the totally different parts, but either way, so pumped to have you on. Um uh, awesome. And we're talking youth sports, we're talking athletic development, and and before we get into a coach, I just learned something super cool, because there's a lot of folks out there that are coaching their kids uh, at yeah. the youth level in particular, and that gets a bad rep. Well, a lot of times in youth sports, you get a lot of coaches that are volunteers, right? So sometimes parents are volunteering, right? So as I'm saying this, I want the audience to know, Coach Gerlich's daughter is on her team at Texas Tech, and I just got to ask you, Coach, how do you navigate that?
2: Yeah, it's... It is tough. Um, It's very tough, and especially, I think, at this level. Um, You know, I played for my dad in high school, and that in itself was was difficult. Um, And you do. You get a lot of the naysayers. You get a lot of the um, people that, you know, just assume or just want to talk negatively about it. But um, I I think that it's been such a joy um, for me and, and such a blessing, and one that I never saw coming. Whenever Bryn was going through the recruiting process, I was at UT Arlington, which is a mid-major school, and she had dreams of playing in the Big 12, and, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't keep her from that. Um, It's her journey, so she ended up going to um, a different four-year school, and uh, when I got the job at Texas Tech, I, you know, immediately called her, and I said, hey, you know, I think I'm going to get this job, (laughs) and I really don't want to play against you, and I was like, I would love to, you know, have the opportunity to coach, and she just jumped right on board, and just such a blessing, but I will say it's, it's really difficult, and that first year bringing her into a program with a new coach and a new locker room, like, that was hard. It was really hard, but it was fun to see her. Um, it was hard to see her, but also fun to see her really mature and, you know, have to stick up for herself, if you will, and um, and, and learn how to handle players that maybe don't always agree with Coach Gerlick, you know, and um, who happens to be her mom. But I've really enjoyed just the past two years of watching her develop and grow her confidence. And we have, we're blessed by COVID to have one more year um, with her playing her senior year this year. But it, it is definitely um, a, a challenge, um, if you will. But it's also something that, that's worth, worth the, the difficulty.
3: You know, I, I've coached my own kids, certainly not obviously at the college level, but I mean, I've coached my kids too. And I often find that coaches, you know, least from my experience... Um, not all, but some. It's almost harder for the kids who are the son or daughter of the coach because I want to make sure parents know that that I am being yeah. objective, that I'm not going to favor my kids. It almost can go the opposite way for the kids. I don't think people understand that. You know, at the youth level, it's hard to be a volunteer these days, man, because yeah. you're getting emails, you're getting calls, you know, you're making bad decisions, and here you are giving up your time. But I want to make sure these parents understand, like, you're at times the lifeline to recreation and sports. What are some ways that they can kind of, you know, Can you give any experience on how they can block out, you know, any of those naysayers to make them understand, like, hey, it is worth it, Uh, you just kind of got to get through that, and and there's a lot, there's a light at the end of the tunnel?
2: Yeah. Well, I do, I do think it is difficult, um, and I think you do, I think you are harder on your kid, just, I think that's just naturally, you're harder, you expect them to be able to do things um, that maybe others can't, you know, And, and I don't know how fair that is, but it's also um it's also a, a, a positive, too, for the kid, for your own kid, because they know no matter what coach is saying, that that coach loves them. And so there's no doubt inside their mind that, you know, coach is getting on me because they believe in me. Whereas other players, when you get on them, they don't know. You know, they don't, unless you have a great relationship with them, they think you're just picking on them. Or they if, if they don't have the right maturity or the right parents at home saying hey coach is just trying to make you better you know if if those kids are going to hear they're going to agree with whatever they hear at home and so if parents at home were saying man they're just making you better you know you just got to work harder I think that is what those kids are going to believe but if they're saying oh that coach doesn't know what they're doing and they're just playing favorites with their kid then that's what the kid's going to believe so I would say that as a coach if you're coaching your kid especially at the youth level is just to make sure that like you know at that level yes we all want to win but it really is about developing those kids and those kids having fun and I think it's a matter of making it it, I think it probably does need to be pretty equal if it can be at that level you know and um but just point out you just got to be just as positive as you are negative in my opinion I mean I don't think that you can be a coach at that level and be so negative I think that's where they you know ruin their love for the game
3: I could tell you're passionate because you're getting me excited and I can hear it yeah. and you get me fired up when you talk about that point about, cause I've have to preach that to my kids. It's like, Hey, don't get upset when the coach is correcting or coaching you, or sometimes maybe yelling in your direction, yeah. get, get upset when they're ignoring you, right? Because yes. coach, you know this because you hear it and you've seen it is that. People are afraid of discipline now. They're afraid of being held accountable and, hey, you're not being feared of my kid. I'm going to get you fired. Like I've literally heard stories of high school coaches having their career sabotage because they've held kids accountable. And you use the word love, you know, but then others will take that and say you're using that as a way to come down on kids. Can you clear that up a little bit? You know, why is discipline and holding kids accountable? How can that be perceived as love versus, you know, the opposite, which may be not holding them accountable?
2: Yeah. Well, again, I think it goes back to relationships. Um, if, a, if a kid walks into a team and they don't know the coach from Adam, they're going to be very um, untrusting and they're going to be very on edge and particularly kids. You know, I just think they're, they're not mature enough to understand, um, you know, where that passion is coming from, you know, where that instruction is coming from. And I, I think if they know when they come in the door, if you get to know them and build that relationship a little bit, even with youth, you know, even with the youth, build that relationship with them. Show them that you're having fun, you know, and then really talk to them about the greatness they see in them. But yet to be great, you're not doing it yet. Like, you know, tell them where they're falling short. It's got to be like they'd have to know where you're trying to get them to. I think I don't think you can just immediately come in and go, hey, you know, you're passing the ball the wrong way. I think instead it needs to be something like, man, I think you have a chance to be an elite pastor, but this is where you're failing right now. You've got to do this better to become that elite pastor." And unfortunately, you know, that's just the way, and I don't know about unfortunately, but that's just the way athletics and coaching and sports is evolving is that you, you just can't coach the same way that we were all coached, I think, when we were younger, which was my way or the highway. And you're going to yell at them and you almost coach, you know, try to coach kids out of fear. And that's, that's never good. And and that's not my tactic. Um, You know, I get intense and I get after my kids and and I hold them accountable. But I've done the legwork with the relationship first so they know that it's I'm trying to make them be the best they can be or our team be the best we can
3: be. And the parent, as you are, you know, you're a parent and you're a sports parent. Parents are so intimately involved, obviously. How do we because it almost seems like at times, you know, I've heard coaches say at the college level, like, They'll cross a kid off their list if the parent, if they look at the stands and the parents are overwhelming. You know, like, I don't want that. I don't want that coming to my program. It's just, it's too much. How can we at the younger ages, you know, maybe get the parents to be involved? So you're almost coaching them up simultaneously. I almost feel like that needs to happen sometimes. How, how can you create that culture where, because I think we'd all agree, not to put words in your mouth, but like it does take a village to raise a child. The more we can all be on the same page instead of having a dividing line, like parents over here, coaches over here.
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. I don't know how many times I have told a kid, you know, that I'm for you, you know, and I'm on your side. It's not us against them, you know. Um, But I do think communication is really important early. Um, I think coaches that are, even if you're a parent, volunteer coach, like I think it's important that you talk to your parents you know and that you have coaches meetings with the parents and tell them your plan tell them what you're trying to do you know explain to them even the experience that they have maybe they should call some college coaches and say hey what are the things that you look for you know in a, in a player and then to your point what happens if parents are out of control on the sideline deck? Like, is that a thing and have that education with those parents because there's a lot of parents that don't have any idea how recruiting works um, and then there's a lot of parents who, you know, only see through rose colored glasses, of course, we've all been that way, and, and only see what their kid is doing or not, you know, and, and so they want to complain about that or, or make excuses for them instead of, and I'm a big believer in this, and I think most of my kids would agree, and I don't know if it's in a positive manner, but um, it's okay for kids to struggle. Like, it's okay for them to have to struggle and have to go through adversity and have to figure it out on their own. Like, they're not always going to be the best kid out there. And, I think they got to learn how to compete. You know, they've got to learn how, and they got to appreciate the competition. They can't they can't get mad at the competition for beating them. they got to appreciate it and go, let's go again. You know, let's run that back, because I didn't really get to give you my very best effort there, however that might go. But I do think the parents need to know, because I'm one of those parents. I sit across, I mean, I'm one of those coaches. I sit across from the bench of the kids that I'm recruiting to watch how the kids interact on the bench with their teammates, with their coaches, in timeouts, And then also, I'm usually sitting with the parents, and so I can hear everything they say. And I don't want to have to deal with a parent that is second-guessing every single decision that the coach makes, because there are 15 girls on that team. There's not just one. And so there's, you know, it's not always going to include their kid in the game plan or or in that offense or whatever it might be.
3: So when you were and we didn't talk about this at all but just curious so like when your kids were younger obviously you you have one son playing college football and you have a daughter on your on your team at texas tech so when they they might not have ever had to wait ever but let's assume they might have at one point played on a team where they weren't the star they weren't a starter how did you manage that like or hypothetically speaking let's say they were in a situation where they were struggling like how do you as a parent deal with that yeah both
2: of my kids had to do that now i coached um Bren, at a younger age, like before they got into like sixth grade, I, I coached them there when they were little. Um, but then once they got into high school, um, junior high, high school, you know, yeah, I, I was the parent, and and it is hard. I will empathize with the parents. It's hard, and and there were times that my kid wasn't getting to do what I thought they should be doing, or you know, getting the opportunity to do and. I had to really coach myself and my husband had to help me (laughs) with what I just preached about, you know, of making sure that um, what they heard from me reinforced what the coach might be seeing. Um, I did, you know, there were times that I would let them absolutely after a game, you know, they could vent a little bit, they could talk to me about why they were upset or what they thought wasn't fair or whatever, and I would say, okay, now. I'm going to be a coach, and I'm going to try to steer you back to where I think they're coming from. Because you know you can't leave it at oh you're oh you're right, they're wrong. I mean you've got to steer them back to listen. This is the coach. This is their plan. This is their philosophy. You know you did you didn't do this well. You didn't do that well, and that's probably where you know your playing time is falling short, or why you weren't in the game at the end of the at in crunch time or whatever it might be. But it's hard, because you know, everybody has a soft spot for their own kids, and I get that, but coaching is difficult.
3: <laughs> it's difficult. When we come back, Krista and I discuss the car ride home, how her experience as a student-athlete set her up for the rest of her life, and what high school athletes can do to get the attention of college coaches. Chris and I left off, we we're about to dig further into the importance of setting boundaries for parents of youth athletes, finding the right fit for college, and how sports help prepare you for life afterwards. There was a poll done, and I forget exactly where I saw it, but you know, th- there's a lot of try to figure out why do kids want to stop playing sports I, I one think that a lot of times you know they say 13 years old is where you know most kids drop off the map as far as participation now I think it's because sports get more competitive I think that kids have go. other interests you know they start to go through puberty or experiencing other yes. things and I don't think it's all because oh kids just don't have fun anymore no kids find other things and that's normal right but anyway with that being said I also feel like that's when kids start to really get some confidence have a little voice and those rides home yeah. that they've experienced for years you start getting tired of that and you know they say a lot of times you lose kids participation on the car ride home because that's its own world i mean we've all been in that situation i've been in that situation as a parent and also as a young athlete and i've had bad experiences as both and and good experiences in both let's say your kid just had a you know they didn't give their best effort or they didn't perform very well and they're they're being a brat right which kids are kids how do you manage that as a as a parent in the car
2: yeah that's a good question (laughs) um you know i I think two things here i i think number one um you can obviously establish rules ground rules uh, within your family and i i know a lot of people do that that you know once the game's over and you get in the car it's absolutely no talking about um about what just happened um and maybe maybe when you get home you know you can have if you've got to have 15 minutes of correction or whatever you think you have to do you know um And then there's some people that obviously, you know, it's just um, a rant the whole time. Um, I will say that we tried really hard as parents, and Lord knows we're not perfect, but we tried really hard as parents. The only time we would really talk about stuff on the ride home is if there was an attitude issue, um, not being, you know, not being coachable or just having a bad attitude, poor body language or lack of effort. If it was, you know, missing layups or, um, you know, whatever, that kind of thing, like, we, we just left it alone. and like, man, you just got to get back in the gym. <laughs> you know, you got to get back in the gym. But, and, and it was more of just how you represent yourself for us. Um, so I, I do think that boundaries are good. And I think if you establish some ground rules, I think your kids will respect that.
3: You have a football player and you have a basketball player. Um did your kids it sounds to me like did they play all different sports growing up or are you one of those coaches who go listen you're going to get a basketball and you're not playing anything else you're just playing basketball because there's a lot of that out there too these days There is no
2: we are the more the merrier my son was a three sport athlete now, and I, I will tell you that a lot of people have said if he would have just chosen one, he'd be playing Division One somewhere. And I'm like, well, I don't care. He had great experiences and great memories and playing all three. And D2 football is fantastic. And, you know, it's just a matter of him playing. And uh, so he did that. And then, well, Bryn was a three-sport athlete as well. Um she played volleyball, and I'll tell you what I loved about that is she didn't start playing volleyball until um, her eighth grade year, and what I loved is it gave her another set of friends, because um, she had the volleyball team as well. It used a different set of muscles, and um, and it gave her a, a, a mental break, um, and, and to be quite honest, I think she really liked that her mother didn't know anything about volleyball, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when I went to those games, it was like I was literally just her mother and a cheerleader, and I think that was that was really great for her and she had a fantastic experience because of it and so I'm all about multiple sport athletes I just think if you have the opportunity to do that um it's it's fantastic and and you never know where your passion is gonna land you know I mean like I said Braden probably would have been a really good basketball player but he loved football and that's where he ended up going you know, he, lo- he played baseball and did really well in baseball he had a couple of injuries that kept him out of you know doing that his senior year but um but yeah, I think it's I think it's
3: fantastic. We're talking to you as, you know, Coach Gerlich, right? But you know, many of you who know Coach Gerlich know that she was a freaking stud player too and a national champion. <laughs> at texas tech so she's coaching at her alma mater and what i find fascinating you mentioned your son being at the division two level i was a division three baseball player was fortunate to be uh, part of a national championship team and i'm a big advocate for find the right fit stay involved with sports because you never know what doors are going to open up how many kids go on and play professional sports and make millions of dollars not that many i mean just not that many but there's so many things you can take away from the experience and i think coaching is a major so so had you not been a stud right you know you probably want to win a national title but you're now a coach you're a lifer in sport there's so many people who played division three junior college and then now they're they're lifers tim corbin for instance is a head baseball coach at vanderbilt he played his college ball at ohio wesleyan like a division three school and now he's he's won two national titles at Vandy. He's a yeah. legend in college baseball my point of this is how did being an athlete propel you to get in your path of coaching and how rewarding is your experience as a coach and, and what has that fulfilled in your life?
2: Yeah, well, I will say that, um, you know, I grew up around basketball and around sports. My dad was my coach um, in high school. So, and then we moved around everywhere and I, I was always at his camps, all those things. So, basketball is really all I know. Um, but I will say that when I went to college, I was not going to be a coach. I thought, I'm going to be business. I'm going to make money. I've, I've lived in this teacher household, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, thinking that. And, I mean, it took me one semester to realize, oh, no, this is not the route I want to go. Like, I'm going to miss basketball. Um, and then while I was at Texas Tech, you know, I had the ultimate experience in my eyes. Um, you know, I received my degree. We won a national championship. And I found my husband there as well. I really just loved the college experience and what it gave to me and so that is kind of my mission as a coach is is I want to really have these girls uh, have just a great college experience and obviously winning is a big part of that but there's so many other things that you can take along from it and that's the value that I get out of coaching is the impact that can have on these young women especially during these transitional ages but I think um, that sports just gives you so many avenues and Um, you know, we have a graduate um, assistant program at Tech that we created to be able to bring in kids that aren't players necessarily, some of them are, but aren't necessarily players, but want a career in sports or athletics. And it doesn't have to be a coach. It can be a dobo, it can be um, an administrator, it can be a creative content, um, but just something around athletics, because we want to try to keep these good kids involved. and, um, And so we created that graduate assistance program just for that, to try to capture their their passion and give them some hands-on experience you know doing those things so I just think that I was really fortunate that that I grew up in a household of sports and that it opened my eyes to all the opportunity that it gives us and um, it is so about the right fit And it can be whatever level I mean I've coached division two I've coached high school I've coached mid-major and I've coached power five and I loved every stop and there is something to be um, said about every level. And coaching is coaching, in my opinion, you know. It is a different talent level, but it's still fantastic. So I think there's so much to gain out of athletics that, that can be rewarding for these kids.
3: Coach Gerlach, I freaking love your passion. I love your energy. I guess I just want to tell you, you know, you got about a minute and a half, two minutes. What would you say to these youth athletes? A lot of these kids out there, they're going to hang on every word you say. They want to get to the next level. They want to either come play for you or find a way to get on a college roster in any way, shape, or form. What are ways that these high school kids, ninth 10th, 11th graders, 12th graders, whatever they could do to put themselves in a position to get looks from someone of your magnitude or just a college coach in general?
2: Yeah, well, I think, um, I think it's really important for them to look ahead and to see where do they want to go to school. What colleges are they interested in? And then try to go to their summer camps so that they can get on campus, they can check it out, they can get in front of a coach and have a conversation. They can call them by their first name. Um, and then obviously, you know, you need to send out some emails and contacts of places that you want to maybe go. But, um, and, and you know, AAU and Summer Ball, that's a thing. That's, that's our biggest recruiting piece, so that's important. But I would just say um, to try to personalize their experience as much as possible, Um, you know, and coaches love it. Like I love knowing all the girls in the West Texas area, you know, whether they're going to come play for me or not. I can help them go play somewhere else because I'm only going to get, you know, 13 kids, 14 kids uh, on my roster. But I can help them. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of coaches and, and we can help them get somewhere else just because I know them and I see how much they've worked and what potential they have.
3: Coach Gerlich, you're bringing it back. Without saying it, the relationship piece, man, that is that is literally what I preach to my kids, man. Don't burn a bridge. Build good relationships. Be a good human being, and things come back around and work out.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I think it's fabulous, and I hope all these kids will listen. And don't let anybody tell them they can't do something, right? Just keep getting back up and, and swinging. That's what I tell them all the time. Keep, just keep getting
3: back up. I love it. Coach Gerlich, Texas Tech. I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I truly appreciate you, truly honored, and I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing, Coach.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me, and I love your energy, too. I'll I'll be happy to be on anytime.
3: (laughs) I love it. We'll do it again for sure. That's Krista Gerlich, head women's basketball coach for the Lady Raiders at Texas Tech. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
2: What do the most successful growing businesses have in common?
1: They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and
2: information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit Slack.com to get started.